Okay, Masechet Shekalim, Daf Yod. Starting with the Mishnah, uh, we're going to discuss all the things that we use the different monies for. So, the Teruma means the withdrawal that you put in the two-gallon baskets. Right, that, that those three baskets that you withdraw. What do you use that those money monies for? And sir, lochin batemidin umisafin v'niskehen. So the kaban temid for every day, musaf for Shabbat, Rosh Chodesh, Yom Tov, and all the wine libations that go along with them. Also, aomer ushteha lechem velechem apanim. The whole kol benot hasibur. Also, the meal offerings uh, for the omer that we bring on Pesach, lechem that we bring on Shavuot, lechem apanim the twelve loaves that we bring every Shabbat. Those all are bought with that money and all other communal offerings throughout the year, which the Mishnah will uh, will get to. Now, regarding the meal offerings on the Shavi each year, you still have to go and cut the barley and the wheat, even though it's Shavi'it. So they would have uh, guards that would, you know, some plot of land, they would guard there and say, you know, if anyone comes to try to take it, they say, no, please don't take it. This is for the Bet HaMikdash service. Uh, so, okay, people would stay away. But now those guards have to be paid. Uh, so how do you pay them? They also get paid from the, those, those three baskets. The says, if someone wants to, they can volunteer their time to be a guard, right? And then, you know, they'll make sure no one comes. And then the, uh, whoever, and then the, uh, uh, whatever they guard will go to the Beta Mikdash. That's the Biyoseh, the Tana. This is no, that's not a good idea because it, it has to come from the public funds. If you have an individual guarding it, well, then it's like his. Right? So if he uh, decides he wants to give it, the uh, rabbis say no. So this is the first major machloket. Here's a little bit of an outline. Um, can an individual donate to communal offerings? The Biyoseh, the Tana says yes, just like a single guard and guard an area and not get paid and yet give over whatever he's guarding. Uh, sages, and we'll see in the Gemara, another Rabbi Yoseh, a little confusing, Rabbi Yoseh and Amora says, no, uh, you can only, an individual cannot donate to communal offerings if it's talking about the animal or the flower itself, only for incidental materials like the wood. Okay, that's what the Gemara will, uh, will focus on here. Um, all right. All right, so in order to, uh, to, to challenge this, this whole idea of the, of the sages, actually, um, that an individual can, cannot bring something, we're going to go to Masechet Ta'anit. Masechet Ta'anit talks about the wood offerings, that there were a bunch of families that would donate wood to the Beth Mikdash. That was one of the biggest expenses because you needed wood to keep on the Mizbeach all the time. So there were families that would give every year at a certain time of the year, they would send in their donation of wood. Uh, so, and the Braita expands on the Mishnah in Ta'anit. Right, they, uh, in, the, in, the, in the time of the beginning of the second Bet HaMikdash, they, they came and they built the second Bet HaMikdash and there was no, there was no, uh, or Ezra when they came, and the Bet HaMikdash was there, but there was no wood in the chamber. So they said, okay, everybody have to bring wood all the time. So these few families that are that are listed in the Mishnah and Ta'anit, they came and they donated from their own wood and they gave it to the community. So you see here, you are allowed to give an individual 
can give from his own private stock to the community communal funds, and you can use them for the for the for the for the korbanot the prophets then were so grateful to them that they said, listen, every year all the way into the future, even if in the future there's plenty of, of, uh, of wood that goes from, from the communal funds, if you come and you donate every year, we will use your wood first, give you the zechut, that merit, uh, because you helped out when uh, there was a time of need, uh, so forevermore, we will be grateful to you. Okay, that's what the Braita says. So you see here, this is a, seems to be a challenge to the sages. It must be that this whole Braita and the Mishnah that goes along with it must be only the opinion of Rabbi Yoseh that an individual can give to the communal funds and it will be used for a communal sacrifice. But the sages would not agree to this right? because they say so a watchman, a single watchman has to be paid Otherwise, it's his own, and an individual cannot donate to a community. So that's Rabbi Acha. However, after the Sumit Nadeb, Shomer Chinam, because Rabbi Yosef said, right, uh, someone who wants to donate their time can be a, uh, a personal guard and then can give it. So you can donate personal things. Rabbi Yosef is Shem Rabbi Ila. This is Rabbi Yosef now, the Amora, who's going to defend the sages. So that's why Rabbi Yosef, in the name of Rabbi Ila, is follows the sages and says, This Mishnah and Ta'anid can be everyone's opinion. So what the Machloket in the Mishnah is only regarding the actual, uh, the actual sacrifice. If I had, I suppose, a private animal, I can't take a private animal and say, I want to donate this to be Ta'anid. Going to the Chachamim, you can't do that. You can donate money, and then with that machasit shekel, they'll buy it. However, the machshireh, things that are incidental to it, like the wood, it's not the. I'm not sacrificing the actual wood. That everyone agrees that an individual can donate wood, and you can use that to burn the korban tamid. Okay, the Mishnah was actually talking about the flower. The flower also was sacrificed, right? Put a handful on the mizbeach itself. So that has to be, um, that has to be bought. By the by the um, by the by the Beta Mikdash, so in the Shavit year, they would have to pay the watchman to do that. Uh, okay, second case that's similar to the first similar discussion. If a woman sews a tunic for the, her, her son who's going to be a Kohen, like Hannah does for Shemuel, right? So she's taking her personal material and the personal time and donating it to the Beta Mikdash. And it's going to be now used for these all the communal sacrifices that that Kohen does. It's okay, as long as she does donate it. She can't keep it for her, her own property. But you see here, this seems to follow Rabbi Yoseh. And that's what Rabbi Achaz says. I'm Rabbi Achaz. Rabbi Yoseh, he. Rabbi Yoseh, Omer. Ah, Haroseh, Mitnadeb, Shomer, Chaynam. Because just like in the Mishnah, someone who wants to volunteer to be a guard, he can, and then he donates whatever he guarded. So to here, a woman can donate a begadim of a kohen. However, the biyoseh, b'shem rebi'ila, the biyoseh, the amora, defends the chachamim, dibre'a kolhi, abkaligin. It could be every all the opinions in the Mishnah. In the Mishnah, what do they disagree about? Begufoshel korban, an actual thing, an animal or flower that you actually put on the mizbeach. But the incidentals, 
other materials, everyone agrees that you can change from to you can donate it and it becomes uh, part of the communal uh, property. All right, good. So now we have two uh, we have two ways to um, explain the, the Chachamim. And actually now we're going to challenge Rabbi Achau says that it's only the only the Biyose. So we're going to further defend the, the majority opinion. Here we have a Baraita that, uh, that challenges what the Biyose said. Okay, those families that donated the Aitzim, each one had a different day. That day would be a happy day for them. It would be like a Yom Tov. There was no fasting and no eulogies for that for, for those families. The says it only applies during the times of the Bet Hamikdash. Then that, that's when there would be a, a holiday. But Chachamim say. Whether it's a holiday, whether a time of, of the korbanot, or even after the Bet Hamikdash was destroyed, those are still considered holidays. So you see, according to this, that even chachamim who disagree with Rabbi Yosef um, admit that individuals can donate, and that's why you'd be celebrating uh, all the time for them. So these 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 uh, donations are considered um, real donations. It must be because they are incidentals to the um, to the to the korban. min hada. Furthermore. This was one of the families that would donate every year. They would donate on the 10th of Av. That was their day. And one time, when Tisha B'Av fell out on Shabbat, we don't fast Tisha B'Av on Shabbat, so they fasted on Sunday, which is the 10th of Av. So on the one hand, it's a fast day. On the other hand, it's a happy day for them. So they, they fasted almost the whole day. A few minutes before sunset, they broke their fast because they had to also show that it's a day of celebration. Um, and so you see in this Baraita that they actually did celebrate. Now they wouldn't break Tisha B'Av to celebrate a personal donation, only if it was a communal donation. And this was obviously after the Bet HaMikdash was destroyed because it seems like, right, this is actually a good question. There's not, not so many sources about this. Did they fast on Tisha B'Av when the Bet HaMikdash was up? Second Bet HaMikdash, right? Why would they fast? The Bet HaMikdash is, is around. Well, they could still be mourning for the first Bet HaMikdash that was destroyed. But from here, it seems like the, the whole point of the proof is that it was, it was specifically after the, the time of the Bet HaMikdash and they were fasting because they still donated in all those years. Um, okay, uh, Ahmed. So next, uh, next topic. Is going to be does the Omer that we that we cut? This is the barley that we cut on the second day of Pesach. Does that have to be from barley grown in Israel, or can it be imported from other countries? Nabi Ishmael is going to say yes. Has to be from Israel. Makes sense. You know, you're celebrating the uh, the, uh, the 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 produce of Israel. Sages say no, not necessarily. It's good to be from Israel, but you don't have any around, so you can import it. Okay, so let's analyze this machloket. Hanan tanenan. Um, we have a Mishnah in Masechet Benachot. So you can bring all the all animals that you bring can bring from within the land or outside the land. From the new produce or from last year's produce, if it's uh, grain. Specifically, the Omer on Pesach. Those have to be from the new grain. 
Well, they have to be. The whole point of them is that once we bring that omed, now all the new grain from that has grown until then now it becomes permissible. Now it becomes yashan. So, but that first one is going to be from chadash. You can't use old grain from two years ago for the omed. It has to be from this uh, previous year, and it has to be from the land of Israel. Okay. So there you go. You have a brayta that says it has to be from the land of Israel. Now, Rav Kuna, b'shem Rebiyir Miyah, Rebishmael he, Rebishmael Omed, and Omer Ba, and Omer Ba Min Hasuria. So this Baraita must be the opinion of Rebishmael, because he says that you cannot bring the Omer from Syria or any other, anywhere else. It has to be only from Israel. That's the opinion of Rebishmael. Haman Tanenan. There's Mishnah in Masechet Kelim that talks about the ten levels of Kedushah, right? Going from Eretz Yisrael to Yerushalayim to Arabayit and so on. Uh, in what way is Israel more holy than all other lands? That we bring the Omer. Omer means a, it's a certain container size of barley and all the first fruits and the Shalichim and Shavuot have to be from the land of Israel, not from any other land. So there you go. This is a Mishnah that says it has to be from Israel. This Mishnah also is the opinion of Rabbi Strange to put a Hayyidian on the place name. Hasuria. Okay. Taman Tanenan. Another Mishnah in Shivirit. Rabbi Ishmael is Bishma himself. Omer. Me Harish Reshut af Kasir Reshut. Kasir Omer Shehum Misbah. It's talking about this Pasuk in Shemot. Shemim Tabod. Remember Shemit Tishbot. The Peshat of the Pasuk is talking about Shabbat. You can work for six days. On the seventh day, stop working. What kind of work should you stop doing? Stop with the plowing and the harvesting, right? There's no agricultural work on Shabbat. But there's a parallel between Shabbat and Shabbat. Just like six days you work, and then the six years you can work, on the seventh year also, no agricultural work. Uh, so, Rabbi uh, Ishmael is going to learn two things from here. Uh, the first thing he's going to learn is that, yeah, on Shabbat, when you stop doing and you don't do any, any harvesting, that's harvesting that you want to do, the shoot, but that, you know, is, is for your own uh, business. But if it's for a mitzvah, then it's permitted to do. How could it be a mitzvah? Well, if 16th of Nisan falls out on Shabbat, then you have to go and cut the barley on the 16th, like I talked about the other day, right? So then you're going to violate Shabbat in order to cut the Omer on the second day of Pesach. So even though the Torah says, don't do any harvesting, that I means personal harvesting. For mitzvah, it's permitted. Bishmel teaches that. The Bishmel kedateh. And what Bishmel says over there applies also to something else he said. The Bishmel da'amad en ha'omer ba min ha'surya. Kedateh da'amad yasa kesir ha'omer shehu mitzvah. And so this fits with what he says that you cannot bring on the Shavuot year, anytime you cannot bring a Shavuot from outside the land of Israel. What are you going to do during a Shavuot year? Well, obviously you're going to have to go and cut it within the land of Israel, which means you're going to have to violate Shavuot in order to bring the to bring to go Omer. But that's totally fine. Just like you can violate Shabbat to bring the to cut the Omer, so too you can violate Shavuot to bring the Omer. So the Bishbel is consistent with his own opinion. Mantana, So now all the way back to our Mishnah that says that people that guard a patch of land for the Bet HaMikdash so that they can use it for all their 
uh, um, grain offerings in the Shiva'it year, and they get paid from Trumat Halishka, whose opinion is that? Would it be to be Shmael? Why? Because according to all the other sages, it's imported from Syria. Right? There's no Shiva'it law, or anywhere, anywhere outside, Shiva'it law doesn't, doesn't apply. You can import it, so that way you don't have to have guards and cut it on the, on the Shiva'it year. No, not necessarily. It could be everyone uh, would agree to this law that you have to pay the guards. Because what if they don't find? What if there's no grain in Syria? Maybe there's a drought there or something. So we might have to rely on Eretz Israel. Therefore, everyone agrees that you should have guards, pay them from the temple, from the baskets. And that way we'll know we have we will have um, grain on, on the Shavit year. Okay. Okay, now that you're telling me I'm allowed to violate Shavi'it in order to bring the Omer and Shtalechem, how about if I go and actually plant on purpose, plant barley and plant wheat, right? But it's allowed, it's for the Beta Mikdash. Right? So can I do it? So he says no, because this would be like. Um, let's say you have a flower that you can't eat for whatever reason. Maybe it became tameh. Right? So I had I brought a korban mincha and became tameh. I can't take some of the flower and put it on the mizbeach because I can't eat the rest of it. Right? Once once it becomes inedible, I'm not allowed to uh, to donate to uh, sacrifice part of it. So this would be the same thing because you now what you planted it during the shivirit year, it's prohibited from anyone eating it. Since you can't eat it, you also cannot put it on the Mizbeach. So according to that, the answer would be no. However, he responds, In the Mishnah it lists five items where those are exceptions. And you can bring them, even though they're Tameh, even though you cannot eat them because they're Tameh, you're still allowed to sacrifice them on the Mizbeach. So this might be one of those five. And then, uh, therefore, it would be allowed, according to that, which is amazing, you could actually plant uh, during the Shivirit in order to guarantee that you'll have some barley for the Ahmed. Okay, now regarding the payment of these guards, how are we going to pay them? The problem is, you know, we took, we took these baskets and, uh, and uh, we're going to go and buy, all, buy things with the baskets, animals and flour. So how, do, how does that work? When I take a coin, the coin has Kedusha. When I give it, when I give it to the farmer or the supplier, so then that kiddushah goes onto the animal or onto the flour or onto the wine that I'm going to buy, and now that coin becomes chol. But the kiddushah has to transfer onto something in order for that and for the for that money to go back into circulation. How does it work? If I hire guards, so if I just pay the guards directly with money, where does the kiddushah go? There's nowhere for it to go. It doesn't go, doesn't go on the guard. People on the guards' time, this has to be something tangible. But how are we going to pay the guards with the money from the basket? Here's what we do. We borrow some money from the money changer. So that's that's the secular money, and we pay him. And we pay them. We pay them uh, in, uh, up front. Uh, and then once he, they barred and they cut the barley, so they give us the barley and we take the money from the basket and we say, okay, this money, this money will transfer to the, uh, to the barley that we just cut. And then that money we take and pay the money changer back. 
And so that way we have an actual item. We want to pay the guys beforehand, before they do the work, because they want their money first. But they're starting here for a long time. You have to pay them along the way. And that way we can uh, we can put it uh, with the money, the Kiddushah can transfer onto, onto something tangible. Now that we asked, Vitavut can, wait a second, can you really do that? It's an equal amount. How much is the barley worth, right? Uh, okay, $100. But now you pay this guy for, you know, for, for weeks and, and, uh, and guard and all that. That might be $1,000. So it's not an equivalent amount, right? So can you really do that? Answer is yes. Whatever you end up, uh, whatever you end up paying, that will be the value of that barley. Don't go by the market value of, you know, go buy a stock of of, of, uh, of barley from the from the market because this is special barley. It has to be guarded and everything. So I'll say this barley is worth a thousand dollars. That's why from whatever you end up, whatever you paid the salary, that will be we'll, we'll consider that the value of the barley now. Which it is because it took all that effort to, in order to ensure, in order to guard it and ensure it would be done properly. Uh, okay, similar similar discussion regarding stone workers, right? If you want to, if you're um, uh, repairing or building the Beta Mikdash and you have people working in the quarry uh, hewing stones, so Avanim, they also get paid from the temple treasury, from those, right? Uh, uh, for how, how does it do it? Can. So we go to the money changer, we borrow money, and we give it to the stone cutters and the and the bricklayers uh, while they're uh, before they're putting it on. And then when that then when they bring the bricks, right, right, when, right when they're when they're adding each each row, uh, we take the money. We say the kiddushah. This money will be will go to the bricks, and that way we can take the money, give it back, and pay back the money changer. Question: The Tavat can wait. Can you really do that? The value of the bricks is not going to be the same as the value of all the labor that you put in. After, like the stone cutter, maybe uh, you know he's cut he cut a hundred stones on the way. Uh, you know, twenty percent of them broke. So, uh, so you can't use that to, to, to put the kiddushah on them. But nevertheless, you pay them. For all that work, the payment is much more. So can you really do that? Answer is the same, the same, yes. Whatever you paid in salary, that is the value of the of, of the bricks. And so all that gets transferred and is included in whatever bricks that are there. Okay, and now Amud Bet, we get to the next Mishnah. Para. We're going to list all kinds of things that you use the money for. First of all, the money, means the money that we withdrew in the baskets, those two gallon baskets. Uh, there's also the leftover, whatever you didn't use that are in the baskets. There's also the leftover of the big containers that are in the treasury house and the leftover of the leftover of that, because we're going to see lots of different categories. Right? But, uh, so this is the main one that we take with the basket. You use it for paraduma. You want to buy paraduma, and also said mashtalech the said on Yom Kippur that you throw that you whatever throw off the mountain or ascend into the desert. Um, even though these are not technically sacrifices, right? They're not going on the mizbeach. We're not uh, burning them, eating them, blood, all that. They're not doing. Nevertheless, they're still communal uh, needs, and therefore you use them. The lashon shel zorit that goes back to the paraduma. The paraduma you uh, you burn it. Together with uh, hyssop and lachani, so that's uh, this uh, dye, uh, red dye that you put on uh, on on wool. 
use the, this dye comes from these, uh, these insects here that grow on trees. These are their eggs, so they're already a little red. And if you smash them up, you get a dye that looks just like this. If you boil it, you see that nice red. Um, so this, uh, that's how they got their red dye. Okay, so uh, even to buy that crimson wool, uh, you use you, you use terumata lishka, even though it's not technically a korban. Kebesh para bekebesh sa'ira mishtaleach. So the following things you're going to use from shiareha lishka. This comes from the, 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 whatever is left over in the large container after you take the baskets, the leftovers. That's, you use it for the following things. The ramp for the para aduma. See, para aduma, you have to make sure it did not become tameh and all the kohanim, well, it can't, it's alive. So the kohanim, you have to make sure the kohanim don't become tameh. Now, in anywhere in Israel, if you're walking, you never know if you're stepping on a grave. So they would build a special ramp that went from harabait to harazetim. Harazetim is where they actually burnt para aduma. Well, this special ramp that had arches and arches on tops of arches, so even if there were graves underneath, the tumah would not go up. So you could you build that ramp using the leftovers that are in the large containers. Also, the the ramp for Sayyid Mishtaleach on Yom Kippur, that Sayyid that was carrying, bearing all the sins. So the Talmud says that the Babylonians who came to, 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 to Yerushalayim for Yom Kippur, they would want to send out the Sayyid Mishtaleach fast. And they would bother the Kohen who was taking it. They would pull out his hair to say, get faster, faster, get our sins out of here. So since they would harass him, had to make a, a tall ramp so that the people would not be able to reach him and uh, annoy him. Okay, so building that ramp and not just to get out of Jerusalem until he got out to the desert. And Lashon Sheben Karnav, the, also the crimson uh, wool that was tied between the horns of the Semesh Since he had two Se'irim and you do the lottery, so to indicate which one, so you don't mix them up, which one's going to be Mishtalech, you tie, uh, you tie red, a red string around its horns. That also is not, not the same Kedusha as the, as the one for the Pada Aduma. The one for the Aduma you actually burn with the Pada Aduma. So that one you use the, the, the main money from the baskets. This one, sorry, this one is not burned, it's just an indicator. And so this is a lower level, only from the leftover money. Also, Matamaim and an aqueduct to bring water into Jerusalem. It's important, that's not a korban. And the walls of the city and its towers. Anything that you need for Jerusalem, you bring from the leftovers that are in the large containers. Why Jerusalem? Because we any Kadashim Kalim, you're allowed to eat in Jerusalem, like Korban Pesach. So, therefore, that all has you know, some level of Kiddushah and importance. But it's not actually a korban, but that's what you use the leftovers for. He just disagrees on one thing that ramp that they would make for the paraduma, so that they don't become tameh, just for their own personal benefit, so they don't become tameh. So they should pay for that themselves, not from the communal funds. Okay, so this is the leftover of the leftover. After you took the baskets from the big container, and whatever was left in the big container used for all the things we just mentioned above. If there's still some leftover money, what do you do with it? Bishmael says, reinvest it. <laughs> Go and buy on the market wine and fine flour, and uh, you'll keep it in a tahor place. And then whenever people come and they want to make their own korban, 
and they want to buy uh, wine and, and fine, oh, fine flour, they don't have to go and find it somewhere. They know in the Bet Amigdash they have already supplied. And that way they can spend uh, less money now and make more money later. So it's a profit maker too for the, for the Bet Amigdash. That's, that's a good idea. No, this is not, we're not running a, a business here, right? This is the better Mikdash. Uh, uh, who knows? But what if, what if the, the price will go down and then you'll end up losing money? So no, we don't use better Mikdash money for profit. Also, if people donate to give to the poor. You can't, it's not yours to reinvest and try to make money on, right? It goes to the poor. Okay, it's a good question nowadays, you know, if... Uh, a uh, charity organization has uh, surplus funds that they don't need right now, but they just leave it sitting in the bank account or can they uh, invest it? Uh, okay, according to this, according to the Akiva, no, according to Bishmel, it would be permitted. Okay, now the money in the baskets that we took, so we buy all the communal offerings. What if there's money left in the baskets? So this is a higher level of Kedushah, right? You can't just use it to build the walls. What do you do with it? They would buy golden plates to coat the walls of the of the Kodesh uh, Kodeshim, make it more beautiful. So, I mean, it's, that's certainly holy enough to use. Um, if you uh, if if you bought different uh, uh, produce uh, fruit with it, and anything extra from the fruit you use. Motana perot, he probably means these things that they, you made money off of, right? You, you went and got wine and all that, and then people bought it, and now you have all that money that you just made. What do you do with all that money? Because obviously you didn't need it to buy to buy korbanot in the first place. So you use it for kites means like the end or dessert, the dessert of the mizbeach. Whenever there's no one around and the mizbeach is idle, we don't want it to be idle. So we'll get extra korbanot and, and, uh, and, and put them on the mizbeach, just like, as like dessert, a little extra. Uh, so all that money that we made, we use for that. And leftover of whatever other collections, we use it to buy sacred vessels, right? You need the, the, the pans and the cups and all that. disagrees with Bishmael. So he says, is not for but that's for the extra, extra offerings, the dessert offerings. Extra from the wine libations. Wine libation, you might buy extra, and then it's you know, overflowing. You have extra, extra stuff there. You use that to buy the vessels. This is the opposite of Akiva, right? The extra wine libations that you use for the dessert uh, uh, for the mizbech, and the extra tiruma that you use to buy temple vessels. Neither of these two sages have motar perot. Because only the Bishmael permits buying and selling or using the money to reinvest. So the other two, they don't have this motal pedot. So that's why they don't list it. Neither of them agreed with the extra produce that you'd buy and sell. Okay. Now, regarding the ramp. The Bishmael bar Nachman b'shem nebi Yonatan, shalosh l'shonot hen. No, not the ramp. After the ramp, we talked about the, um, the wool. There's actually three strips of crimson wool that were used for different needs, and they have different amounts. Shel sa'ir besela. The one, the seder mashtaleach, has to be worth a sela. Sela is two shekalim. Why do you need two? Because when he gets to the edge of the mountain, he, he splits it in half. Half he ties to the uh, horn, and half he ties to a rock. And then, right then, the Mizrach says it would turn white. 
after it went down. Uh, okay, so he needs a longer piece. So that has to be worth two sela. So misora b'shekel, misora also also has to bring a um, piece of wool uh, that he uses to sprinkle the blood of the bird uh, of, of, of his uh, of his korban. But that only needs one 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 small piece. That's enough to be a shekel, half of a sela. Shel para, but the para duma has to be two selaim, double that of the semestalech, because that you throw into the fire, right? El tov serefata para has to go down into the middle of the fire. So you need something that has a little bit more weight in order to go down and get burnt in it. So he's, he disagrees and says the one for para aduma has to be not two, but two and a half selaim, which is equivalent to 10 zoos worth, um, uh, the same, same amount. Okay. Uh, he's using his, his teacher's uh, uh, exact language at 10, 10 zoos. Uh, Zeus is a, is a denomination used in Roman times. Uh, some people think it comes from the word Zeus, right? Because uh, these coins had Zeus on them. Uh, and uh, that's, uh, they, that came the Hebrew word Zeus. There's other people that need to get paid also. You have the, the, the sages, right, the, who would teach the Kohanim, the laws of Shechita, the laws of how to receive the blood, how to sprinkle the blood. I mean, you think the Kohanim would know, but okay, someone has to teach them. You need people who are learned in the, in the text to be able to teach them. And so you pay the salary of those teachers from Tirumat Halishka. Now, Tirumat Halishka literally means the money in the baskets. This doesn't make so much sense because the money in the baskets is really only used for the Korbanot themselves. So even though it says Tirumat Halishka, it seems to be referring to the leftover money in the, in the large container. Also, those who are checking the Kodashim and checking the animals to make sure they have no moon. You need people that are really specialists, like veterinarians, to know what to look for. And so they get also paid from, it must be, he means the large container. There was a Sefer Torah, a special Sefer Torah. This would be the master copy. And all of the copies would be checked based on this, because when scribes you know, copy, inevitably they're going to make a mistake, make mistakes, and then people are going to copy those. So how are you going to keep the text of the Torah perfect? Well, you have one perfect copy in the Bet Hamikdash, and that you know will check and recheck. And so you need people to do that. This is also the copy of the Sefer Torah that Kohen Adol would use to read from um, when he needed to read the Sefer Torah. So those scribes also get paid for by uh, by the temple funds that people gave for Machazito Shekel. There were two uh, judges in Jerusalem who, who dealt with all the cases of stealing, all thefts, and they uh, are paid for by the by this from the same fund. Uh, again, it means the the large collection. The woman who uh, weave the curtain, the parochet. Right? So they also have to get paid. Some say over here it actually might mean the uh, well uh, the machasita shekel funds, whatever somewhere. And the second opinion says no. 
Bedek Abayit. Bedek Abayit is super fun altogether. Uh, if I say, you know, I, uh, I donate I eat my cup to the Beth Mikdash, I don't have to donate the actual cup, I donate the value. That goes to the general maintenance of the Beth Mikdash. So the question is, parochet. is it part of the building structure? If it's part of the building structure, then it goes from the general maintenance fund. But the parochet sometimes gets blood sprinkled on it, right? Uh, so uh, those times, you see, it's actually part of the service. It's almost right, it's something holy. So according to the first opinion, we're focusing on it as a, like a clash at it. According to the second opinion, we're treating it as part of the temple structure. Right, Shemel says it's like a korban itself, an offering, and therefore it would be from Tzermatishka. Second opinion is like it's part of the part of the temple, part of the building, and therefore from Bedek Okay, so all the, the ketoret also, we didn't mention the ketoret, all those spices and all animals for communal sacrifices, that comes from the baskets that we will use to withdraw from the machasita shekel. The mizbach hazahab, right, the one that's in the, in the kodesh, uh, we use for ketoret, so that by you know buying or proving that itself and any temple vessels that we use the motan nechasim, the leftover that's in the motan nechasim is when we buy wine. If we have any leftover from wine that we use, we can use that for mizbech hazavik lesheret. Mizbech haola, that's the big uh, uh, mizbech outside that for animals byechal azarot and the courtyards of the Beit Hamikdash itself. So that comes from the leftover um, that's in the from the machasita shekel, the leftover that's in the in the treasury. Anything that's outside the Bet Mikdash walls itself uh, for the rest of Halabait, that comes from Bedekabait, uh, from the from the general funds for the for the general maintenance. Okay. Okay, so now that was a brighter. We're going to have now a few sources that contradict what we just said. Before that, we have just a question on this. We have a brighter that says the actual bricks of the, of the altar and the, and the sanctuary uh, and the courtyards. If you take a brick, it home, right? And you're going to use it to sit on at home. No, you, you violate me'ila. Well, how could they, you can violate me'ila? If you say you buy it from shirayim, if you buy it from the leftovers, only the in the baskets that you take, that is used for kodeshim, and therefore that you would violate me'ila if you take it. But whatever is left is not kodeshim, and does not violate me'ila, and that's what's used to buy the bricks. For all these things, so you shouldn't be, you shouldn't violate me'ila if it's used with that money. So it must be this follows bimeir we saw yesterday, because bimeir said ma'alin b'shirayim, the leftovers. You do violate me'ila for the leftovers. Amar b'chiyah kilum, amar bimeir ella betoch shenato, hachachus shenato anan kaimin. No, that doesn't work either because bimeir only said that's within one year. Uh, that uh, if you if you buy things with that leftover money, within one that leftover money is still considered. For one year, because you might still need more for the baskets, 
right? You have to buy more animals. So since you might need it, that's why. But after one year, now next year's machasita shegel is coming in and you don't need it anymore. Now those bricks are more than a year old, so it shouldn't be meila. So that does not answer the question. So really, it doesn't make sense. We're gonna, you know, scratch that. If you take the brick home, it's not good. You shouldn't do that. You're stealing. That's not meila. I saw him before. If you want to bring a korban, you need to have all the temple vessels there. Right? You need the shulchan, menorah, and the parochet. If you don't have all those, you cannot bring a korban. say, no, you don't need all those things. All you need is well, um, the kiyor and the can and the base of it. And they have to uh, wash their hands, and that's also found in the in the courtyard where the mizbeach is also. So that's what you need for a korban. But if you have a time period in history where you don't have a menorah, you don't have uh, anything that's inside, okay, you can still bring the korbanot as long as you have the wash basin. Okay, there's much more mechil. Okay, now so that, now we're gonna have a, some a bunch of questions on this. In the Torah, when it lists all the different uh, temple vessels, sometimes it says it has to be nochach, like with the menorah, has to be opposite the table. So that has to be there in order to bring korbanot. If something is a selah off to the side, like the shulchan, so that you don't need to be there. Anything that needs to be right there in front, that needs to be there. So this disagrees with Chachamim, because Chachamim say you don't need any of these. He says, even like the Shulchan that says it has to be on the side, you, it's required. Anything that says it has to put, you have to put it there, Sima, by including the curtain, the basin, everything has to be there in order to bring a Korban. Uh, so you see, all these, all these, all these, all these opinions disagree. No, we can, we can reconcile all these when you're talking about avodot bifnim, any avodah that you have to do inside, uh, like you do on uh, uh, for the ketoret and so on. Those, if it has to be done inside, you need all the vessels that are inside to be there. But if you're talking about bringing an animal sacrifice that's done outside, then you need all the outside vessels to be there. So each one is a separate thing. As if you have only the outside vessels, the mizbeach, and the large mizbeach, and the, and the sink, and the kiyar, then you can bring outside korbanot, but nothing inside. If you want to do inside things, they need all the inside vessels to be there. And that way, now we've reconciled all the different opinions.